Joes and Agents of Cobra Command. My name is Steve. You're listening to G.I. Joburg. And this episode is entitled Claw Hands, Bats, and Homecomings. Are you scratching your head? All will be revealed in due course. But as always, I'm joined by a friend. It's Paul Lobsher, aka. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, guys. How's everybody? Uh, it's good uh, to see well, everybody in the, in the comments and how did exactly see? feel free to sound off in the chats though people have been keeping it pretty lively up to this point already yeah so uh, let's run through our uh, our inner circle our core group of people who've taken their time out on their sunday or monday to hang out with us live in the show it's the booyah j it's spoon killer brick fiction darren cobb james schultz Joseph Ashenbremer. Hey, buddy. Uh, that is an unfamiliar name. So uh, if you have been in the chats before, I must have missed you. But uh, welcome, if this is your first time. Uh, Skinner fan. fan. Moonlight 47. Cobra Viper 11. Um, we have a Facebook user. Perhaps it's Robert Kalupitan. Let me know um, because obviously StreamYard doesn't want to let me know your identity. And yes. And Will R. Hey. Okay. Wow, it's lively already, as I say. Um, so yeah, give us a little update, guys. How's your weekend been? We're on the, the, the downslope of 2023. Insane. Uh, if you are in North America, you're looking forward to Thanksgivings. Um, however, if you're in pretty much every other part the of the world, <laughs> well, yes. No, that's isn't that February? What do I know? Um, but if you're in every other part of the world, brother, deck the holes with boughs of holly because fa la 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 la. Are you seeing shopping centers overrun with Christmas decorations? Uh, not yet, dude. Not on my side, anyway. Really? I, mean, well, I thought they were, I thought I would have seen it already because you know they start putting those things up around the same time, like literally just after Halloween. Yeah, but, uh, no, we, we can't like go to the shops without Elliot pointing out. It's Christmas, Daddy. It's Christmas. Yeah. Oh, so the, the decorations are in full effect. The reason I mention that is because we have a Christmas special lined up to talk about on this episode. We're finally going to get around to talking about Renegade's homecoming two-part. I mean, yeah. Yes, which is a Christmas. You and I spoke offline. Is it a Thanksgiving thing? Is it a Christmas thing? I said Christmas because very heavy snow. And also at one point, Roadblock impersonates Santa. Remember that? Oh, thing? yes, that's right. Yes, oh, yeah, yes. that's true. Yeah. It's a Christmas party. So, yeah, we're kind of a little early, I guess, I guess. But I'm going to take it as us being right on time. <laughs> if you're in a non-Thanksgiving part of the world. Because, I mean, I was able to observe it once. I spent one Christmas season in the States. And, yeah, as soon as Thanksgiving and Black Friday and, what is it, Cyber Monday wrap up, that's when trees get lit in town centers and yeah it gets it gets crazy it's real <laughs> yeah. paul yeah. how are you doing my friend dude i'm i'm rocking man um aside from a little bit of a blue thing that happened last weekend everything else has been golden finally got to do my actual birthday dinner last night with celia um because i've said illness and then i didn't want to go on the weekend of the rugby finals because that would have just been just madness. I don't know. It just didn't feel like the right thing. But anyway, we went to this really, really cool uh, restaurant, um, Japanese place. 
uh and yeah it was great uh really really great to get some uh, ramen bowl like have this amazing um can't believe i um, think i can't believe i've forgotten the name of it and it's so good uh anyway it was amazing it was a really really great um evening and yeah i was treated and that was cool yeah and otherwise things have just been rad man like it's uh just been it's been a quite a busy two weeks in terms of like stuff just new kids coming in for the for gunpla say oh, um, say the kung fu school oh the kung fu school yeah we we're going strong but i haven't been able to train for a week because i've been sick and then also there's just some new toys that have arrived um that i'm excited about talking about at some point in this episode i can bring them up well, and yeah. you know what should we flip things around and talk new toys up front because yeah why not this this is going to be a media heavy episode we're going to talk about Issue 10 of the comic book, a nice little town like ours, the introduction of Springfield. That's a pretty mm. major bit of uh, plot and lasting kind of impact on the entire G.I. Joe series. So that's going to occupy a lot of this chat. We're also going to talk about, as, for, as aforementioned, um, uh, the homecoming Renegades cartoon at long last. We've been putting it off for like three shows in a row now, something ridiculous, but it's <laughs> And we are also going to talk about An Untold Tale, issue 280 of the IDW series, which has uh, a bearing on the kind of the, the, the 30s of the Marvel run. So we're going to be jumping yeah. in terms of continuity and stuff. Um, very interesting. But as I say, let's talk new shit because I want to hook people, hook people with the toy. <laughs> Okay, guys, I'm just putting my camera here because it's kind of bugging me that I'm like at the bottom of the screen, at least this way. Like, Sent my leg looks like I have a giant boner. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling a little uncomfortable, man. Um, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll, let me start seeing as I kind of like broached no, no, no. Um, Your, your seg segue was too perfect. I got a heat gun. Now, this does look like a sex toy uh, of some description. <laughs> And um, do you have a heat gun, Paul? Uh, no, I don't have a heat gun. Uh, I feel like I need a heat gun. I use a hairdryer uh, for all of the things that you'd use a heat gun for. Hairdryer is not adequate to the task. And the task was erasing stress marks on plastic. So anytime you have plastic that's been manipulated in ways that it shouldn't be, you're going to get sort of white stress marks. That's a prelude to cracking. Okay, sh just shy of cracking, you've got the white stress marks. You white can stress marks before crack. Okay, I got you. Just um, <laughs> asking for Man's a friend. Mansplaining for the toy guy here. Um, you can erase those stress marks on certain kinds of plastic. You sound like an using easy motion. You can erase gun. those stress marks. <laughs> Well, brother, you, you've got to make sure that it's not too close because you will melt the plastic and you've got to make sure that it's not too constant. So you're constantly making circles and then turning it, turning it, turning. But if you are careful, you can make those stress marks go away to a varying degree of success. I had a stress oh. mark on my Leader One jet, GoBot jet, uh, Eagle Robo. Yeah. Um, it was on a point that obviously was kind of mistransformed for many, many years where these arms pull out. Um, if you pull it from the top, you're going to stress the arm. You got to kind of get at them from the bottom where the fist is. Um, yeah. okay, it well, erased the stress mark immediately, immediately. 
And I found a YouTube short where ironically they used leader one in exactly the same spot and erased the same stress mark. So clearly it's a good candidate for it. This, the plastic is quite high quality. You know, in spite of GoBots being derided as like poor man's um, transformers, the materials used in these toys are excellent. And something that we sorely lack, you know, in, in today's gummy toy era that we're, constant, that we're currently stuck in. Anyway, it doesn't work on everything. I tried to erase a stress mark on Destro's anti-gravity pod. Didn't work. So not all plastics are suitable. Sadly. Hey, what's up, Daniel? Oh, man. Handsome Head Injury asks, was it for the Terradrome? My Terradrome has some stress marks, but I don't know if I'm confident enough to use this. Um, something about the Terradrome is very creaky and very fragile and because mm. i'm not a restorations guy and i don't want this pterodrome to like look factory fresh it, it's fine it's it's play worn it's fine um michael french did an incredible series i think he might be in this in the midst of releasing them on retro blasting um i watched the first two parts uh so if he has released the other two forgive me i mean if you listen to this in the future he's completed his pterodrome restoration him. However many parts there might be, sorry, I assumed there were going to be four, but um, yeah, he's he's doing almost like a factory reset on his pterodrome. Uh, this is nowhere near mine, at least. I'm pointing off camera and saying this, but my pterodrome is nowhere near kind of um, being a candidate for for that level of restoration. It's it's seen some some use for sure. Um, <laughs> putting it mildly, nothing too broken or busted, but yeah, I'm not not about to peel off stickers and whiten faded plastic. So yeah, the Terradrome I'm going to leave alone. But yeah, just trying the the heat gun on various Geojo accessories and vehicle parts didn't really get the desired effect, sadly. So I'm going to refer. Um, I see um, Spoonkiller is asking if your GoBots were made in Ho Hong Kong or Japan. Hmm. Very good question. I'll check the stamp. Japan for leader one. Wow, that's cool. I wonder where she has her stamp. Sorry, this isn't great radio. So, Paul, please um, chew the airways for a bit. What did you get? My uh, I got. Um, well, let me let me actually pull out some pictures as well. So it's nothing too crazy. Uh, I'm sure you guys have been checking out our YouTube shorts. Uh, I got this uh, Higher Toy Snake Eyes, which I'm bringing up into the shot again. <laughs> uh, and I've been having quite a lot of fun, fun with this guy and just really like sort of getting into the nitty gritty and sort of discovering this figure and, and sort of going, well, not sort of, but very much mulling it over in my head as to like who this toy is for and who... You know, because that's what I'm having trouble with. So who is this toy for? I mean, for us, uh, G.I. Joe book, we have a channel. It's something interesting for us to speak about. It's a it's a curiosity, if you will. Um, but it has some things. And now I'm like thinking maybe I should do like a proper conversation about this toy in the future. Um, although I did get a chance to slap it on my Raptor. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing about toys that are so beautiful, right? And And just... You know, it, you know, life. You always have like shit and whatever to deal with in life. And you know, if you if you can just slap a ninja on a velociraptor, then you know that you know it's not that bad. You know, like 
things are things are okay. <laughs> I have and then um, yes, you have question. Is it? Yes. Um, would you say it's superior articulation to what we're used to from four-inch modern? Oh no, definitely not. No, not. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so like it's got some. It's interesting. The articulation. I find the articulation on it is designed to maintain an aesthetic, whereas the articulation mm. on a modern era figure is designed to keep a playability. Yeah. Yeah. So where the modern era maybe fails on an aesthetic front and and in my opinion it doesn't often fail it's just sometimes they do look a bit spindly or they do look a bit odd but they still get much better poses and and i, I would even wager or argue that some of them even get better poses than some of the classified figures but um the higher toys is definitely meant to look good it's meant to mm. uh, like everything about its lines and the way that it's put together um I'm sorry, I'm just kind of looking at it off camera, but yeah, everything about its its lines, it's like designed to kind of look good. Um, so I just want to get a nice angle there. You know what I mean? Like you can see like the proportions and stuff sort of stick together. It doesn't have any weirdness. The neck is actually connected to the head and then that's on a ball joint to give it swivel. Um, oh, so it has articulation at so the top and the bottom of the neck. Well, right. uh, no, it has no articulation on the top. It just looks like it does. But it's you can see it's like molded in there. Oh, um, and that's, right. So the that's neck is molded choice. to yeah. the head, right? Yeah. So they combined. Um, well, that's you know, like an O-ring is... figure. Actually. Yeah. It's a throwback. Yeah. Like... And um, the guns, for example, look good when you see them here, uh, but they got very fat grips so that it can hand, hold, uh, hold on to it properly. So yeah, it's so a lot of aesthetic choices. But yeah, you can't bend. Like to give you an example, you can't bend the the leg further than that. You can't get like a knee bend that's further than that. Just, um, but it is I'm a sure double jointed it, knee, right? It is a double jointed knee, and mm. the arms, the arms can give you sort of sort of that. Okay, and so just, just uh, past ninety degrees on the arms, and just past yeah. ninety degrees on the knees. Are you sure you couldn't rejig the knee articulation point and, and um, bend, well, it's bend the lower, uh, bend bend the lower first and then the upper? I did try something like that before. So, and it's got to stop. It's actually got to stop in the double joint. It's got a lock. Okay. So We've got some requests from the, the chat. Point. You need to honor them. Firstly, okay, let's check. Yes. Put it next to Storm Shadow. <laughs> okay, hold on. Um, I've got a. Do we want to see the, yes, the height difference. Well, Spoon Killer specifically asks for Storm Shadow V2. I assume that's 1988. But, uh, okay, now nineteen eighty-eight one's actually in my jacket pocket. Um, oh, wow. But this is the height difference on on versus modern era, and then I've got a snake eyes. Let's make uh, close to. I just want to pull him off the display quickly. Okay, he's. We make his legs straight quickly. Ah, now I'm dropping his machine gun. So I'm going to take this, um, and I know I did this on the shorts, but I'm happy to show you guys again. So. They they look. Same in the camera, but they're not. The modern era is actually shorter. Mm. Uh, when they're standing on solid ground, yeah, the, the modern era is actually shorter, but visually close enough to be fine, you know? But you can tell because of the shoulders. The shoulder height is different on them. Hold on, area of parallax there. There we go. So <laughs> we'll take your yeah, word for whatever. it. We, we don't see yeah, it they, anywhere to hand. I, I mean, tape. the the bummer here is that you can't put um, 
this guy in a vehicle you can't put him in both vehicles uh but would you want to i don't know um removable hands are pretty cool i like that i dig that um i like that the hands are removable i know some people might have issue with that but this is meant to be a premium figure so it's meant to be kind of posed for toy photography and things like that so having interchangeable hands to me makes a lot of sense um so you got an open hand you got a fist um but then with that comes the irritation of um he doesn't have two gripping hands so you can't have the sword in his left hand for example and the uzi in his right it's uh, either or but they have got a ball joint for the wrist so it's weird like what you you gain something but you lose something that's what this whole higher toy is it's sacrificing certain things to gain other things and what you gain is nice to have over the the modern era and what you lose um kind of makes it pale in comparison to some of the modern era a big issue i have with this figure uh is uh it's hard to see on camera here um and i hope this doesn't bug anybody who's like maybe ordered one but he's got kind of a big butt he looks like he's wearing a bit of a nappy and that <laughs> it's you know when you got it in hand and you're playing around it's not something that you normally notice um but if somebody like me like on a show or a review or something points it out it's gonna bug you and i hate that nappy crotch because it also stops the leg um the legs aren't designed to go further than that that's another this is what I was going to ask. What is prohibiting it from operating in vehicles? And that's probably the waist articulation. And right? then also plastic joints in the crotch as well. That freaks me out. Oof, scary. Yeah. But um, the yeah. bad news, unfortunately, is, I mean, you, you mentioned you don't want to anger anyone who's got them currently on order. That's probably a very small pool because HLJ don't have any stock. It seems like these were a very low production run. Yeah. Like you can't buy them currently uh, the snake eyes and storm shadow i mean the stuff that's coming down the pipe hopefully you can, yeah. i mean the higher must have underestimated the demand it's like you're going to make a a western brand and 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 you're not going to expect the west to demand them in great quantity come on guys well, i think i think they were also worried because of how many people complained about this design of snake eyes as well you know I mean, they are privy to that knowledge, I'm sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that they've, you know, gone onto the internet. <laughs> Do the limbs um, come apart easily, Moonlight asks? Uh, I haven't actually tried to separate them from the torso or for the from the main body, but the wrists uh, do come out very easily, and it's a little irritating, I'm not going to lie. Hmm. It's But then again, it's also kind of a give-and-take thing because sometimes you have figures where the wrist bites the ball joint too hard and you can sometimes break the ball joint and leave them in there i know i know that there are toys that and people have had that issue thank god that hasn't happened to me with anything but um that can happen and so like that's kind of a win because at least you know you're not going to break it um but it is irritating when you're like trying to take photos of it or pose it on a diorama or a set or something and then the weapon like just falls out because you bumped it a little bit and you're like you know and the weapon goes with the hand it's like kind of annoying action figure yeah look to be honest um i'm too basic for removable limbs <laughs> and parts anything beyond and a battle android trooper forget about it i want i want I my stuff to stay fixed and to be fair it is technically a premium collectible figure i mean it's not really an action figure mm. yeah i mean it's it's for adult play 
but not that kind of not like your heat gun um is it mini well yes yeah, speaking about toys that were meant for play and just to get circle back to the question um pathfinder was made in mccall Macau. So yes not i was gonna say i'm sure just next door and so was mark three which is my most recent little pickup very nice oh, mark three um otherwise known as phantom robo Ah, he is phantom an, F, an f4 phantom and <laughs> when i saw this on the card backs of my gobots in the day i thought how can anything possibly look this cool and still transform i i have a confession to make like of the the famous jets of the world i never gravitated toward the tomcat or the eagle or the falcon or viper yeah, as people prefer to call it um the phantom even though it was far older um just spoke to me with all those weird angles you know that split tail at the back and the the sort of wing tips that uh, arch upwards it's i love this jet aesthetically so yeah i, I was on the hunt for it as a child never got it now i do yay there is something very special about the F4, uh, at least, and, and especially in the eyes of a child. I mean, I think about um, when I was younger and they had those like die-cast jets, those nice, those really cool ones. I remember also seeing the F14, and I think there was an F15 at the time, and this little guy, but not transformable, obviously. And I remember gravitating towards that as well, and grabbing one. So. There's something also quite beautiful about the GoBots aesthetic, and that's zero kibble zero yes. kibble i mean the jet modes are awesome you have the trade-off of like essentially the back end of the jet being his legs but i'll pay that to have a you know an almost sort of die cast replica airplane toy i mean matchbox or hot wheels wouldn't well, not not that hot wheels does accurate jets i don't think matchbox i think do um they couldn't do a better job man this is stunning Lovely. it's cool that you mentioned oh i was just gonna say it's cool that you mentioned gobot bro yeah. i am on a gobot's tip at the moment i'm closing in Ooh. on a blackbird which wasn't released in the united states i believe snoop machine robo snoop or oh yes i actually know that yeah beautiful um, also just so nice on hrj they've actually got um we know the character psykill i think it's psykill yeah and then bike there's robo. another one yeah um it's the bike robo and then there's the actually the little tank that chris miwa sent me um mm. or sent us that little guy that like pops up it's one of those those changes those change bots they just change by themselves um they have that quick whole thing. switch or quick no 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 something top, like that top spin or twin twist twin twist with the the drillers yeah so it's not it's not the drilling one unfortunately it's the other it's one the jet yeah, uh, no, it's uh, Warrior something, Warrior Bot, Warrior Robo is the name, the Japanese name. Anyway, um, I'll send you links. <laughs> uh, but I want to show you guys, this was sent to me to review uh, from a local store here in South Africa. Uh, and this is a Joy Toy figure. And this does sort of fit in the realm of G.I. Joe because these are actually three, three quarter inch figures or technically four inch figures. They're also premium collectibles. However, this beast is... Okay, aside from being an expensive toy, um, this toy is actually very playable, even though it is designed to be a premium collectible. 
Um, it's super articulated. Uh, it uses metal for some of the joints. Um, what to, the hell you know, is it for people listening who are It is a... Okay, so... Um, I those, see the uh, metal from, in the joints. That's amazing. It's from something... It's from Warhammer, from Warhammer 40K. Um, and this is known as a Sisters of Battle, a uh, Sister mm. of Battle or a... Um, well, I'm just going to use Sister of Battle because that's just the easiest way uh, to get into it. And these are basically, just to sum it up in the easiest terms, these are hardcore space nuns. Let's just call them that. Okay. Mm. And in the Warhammer lore, uh, they make sure that, because the Warhammer lore is all about like sort of um, sort of fanaticism amongst its uh, members, at, amongst the space marines and everything, these... Uh, the, these women, it's their task to make sure that nobody, that there's no corruption. They they root out and destroy corruption and and all that. Anyway, they're just really badass. And this is a mech suit uh, that she's wearing. It's a Paragon. It's I think it's called Paragon Armor. And mm. yeah, it's it's insane. And these display so well with like you know if you have modern era GI Joes uh, or you or you collect that scale. This is to display with that scale. And the company that makes this is Joy Toy, who also does. Um, these really beautiful mechs that I want to 18 scale that also can fit drivers and riders and stuff in. And I think some of uh, the Boat Force members actually have some of those things. I know Bart has one. Um, and acid yeah, rain. I was given this. Acid rain? Uh, no, it's not Acid Rain. No, Acid Rain is. Um, these guys, I think, are all their competitors to Acid Rain, I suppose. But very different aesthetic, very cool. Um, yeah, and just it's just interesting. It's, it's um, I mean, I paint the Warhammer miniatures every now and then. Uh, so this is the first time I've ever like sort of jumped into something this this way, and yeah, I was given it to review and check out and give some thoughts and feedback on. So, Do you, so you can't separate. Um, we're gonna find out. Sometimes, sometimes we're allowed to get these things seeded, so we'll see. So maybe mm -hmm. I'll get to keep it. Uh, it'll be cool to keep it. It's a it's a cool toy, um, and it's just really it's well painted. It's it's great. Um, I see there's a question. Um, Adeptus Auroritas. Yeah, that's the... I just don't want to throw that in there because everybody's going to be like, oh, what? <laughs> so it's just easy to call them um, Battle Sisters. Anyway, um, I see there's some great comments here. But can you, can you separate, separate the figure? There you go. No, you can't, sadly. Uh, not this time. Uh, this wasn't designed that way, but it's because of the articulation of the mech. So to keep the aesthetic of the, the Paragon armor... Um, you can't separate the sister, but the armor looks like it's got minimal articulation, but it's actually got a lot of articulation. So one of those trade-off, win some, lose some kind of things. That said, you can actually get the sisters themselves as small um, figures, and they look amazing. I, I actually wouldn't mind one of these. Um, Let's circle back to so Darren cool. Cobb's comment. Uh, does, Eagle, sorry, does Phantom Robo transform like Fireflight? which was one of the aerial bots who also transforms into an F4, if memory serves. Um, the broad strokes, yeah. The bottom half become, of the jet becomes, or the back of the jet becomes the legs. The top becomes the robot uh, or torso with the arms. But as I say, no kibble. Whereas all of the aerial bots have like, like blocky robot parts underneath the jet mode. This is a streamlined jet right the way through. Um, they are lovely objects. I'm very enamored with GoBots now. And I've done some kind of research on the, the law and how, like in the West, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon just cast the various robots as good or bad quite arbitrarily. Whereas in oh. the Japanese cartoon, uh, Psykill, what we know as Psykill, 
was just um, bike robo, and he was a hero. All of the vehicles are heroes. The the kind of the one of the key sort of principal heroes is the guy that we know as Fighter, sort of a red jet, who ironically in Japan is called Blue Jet, um, but he's still red. <laughs> he's still red. Um, anyway, he he's like the principal good guy, um, and the guy with the drill on his head called Screwhead in the West um, is also a good guy. All of the vehicles yeah. are good guys, as far as I can tell, and it's the the monsters that are the baddies because remember like okay. the renegades the, the renegade gobots had all these kind of like creatures as well they were like kind of like insecticons but more i don't know more mythological monstrous things yeah um, i think i know what you're talking about yeah yeah those are the bad guys from the japanese anime okay so it all of a sudden makes a lot mm. more sense you're like yeah that's why Psykill's mm. toy doesn't look particularly menacing or sinister that's why they animated him in the Hanna Barbera cartoon as having like this, I don't know, this weird five o'clock shadow looking evil with the, the black rings around his eyes. Um, because in Japan, just, he was a good guy. Fun. He was also a leadership figure. I mean, he was kind of the, the nimble attack vehicle um, of the land forces of the, uh, the machine robo faction. Anyway, hello, Bob. And that Stu. is. Welcome to the chats, guys. And Michael Mitchell, leader, leader one was an F-15, correct. And I scored that figure on the last pod, actually. He's terrific. But he has Very a bit cool. of trouble. He's a bit blockier than, than an actual F-15. Whereas Phantom Robo, so nice. Anyway, I've but spoken enough about it. All of them jets. are better than Transformers jets from that era, I'm sorry to say. Well, they had a different they're just, as I say, beautiful objects. They had a different approach and um, should not be derided for coming in at a lower price point. Uh, yeah, I've, I've found the love big time. Accurate color, accurate mm. amounts of clean lines, no kibble. But I could talk all day about GoBots, and I'm sure our G.I. Joe-focused crowd would be like, Dude, <laughs> snooze time. I wouldn't even want to listen to you talking about Transformers. Um, <laughs> shall we segue to some stuff, or do you have some more new toys? No, that's um, that's it. I mean, I think uh, I mean, I think that's pretty rad, actually. What I got, um, mm. I know I mentioned in a previous show about some new classifieds that popped up. Uh, I may have mentioned them by name, like guys like uh, Tunnel Rats, but I but uh, I do want to get them. Well, as you can <laughs> you see, he's, tunnel he's right posed. posed in a like a permanent crawl. That's yeah, funny. as you can see, I've got him like posed. Um, I wonder why I've done that. So, um, but he looks cool. Hey, like I dig him. Like another one of these stinking sewers. <laughs> you know, like oh, he's great. Um, he's really cool. Uh, but yeah, there's a reason they posed, and I just don't want to really mess them up right now. Um, so I did get some of that, but I'll save that for their own little videos and things. Um, you know, especially <laughs> for the Bogue Force, for the Patreon guys, so that they can hear my thoughts on them. I have lots of thoughts on classified figures. I'm just trying to trying to make a nice time to chat about them, <laughs> actually. Um, Shall yeah. we talk? But yeah, dude, thank you, man, my brother. Yes, that Renegades, right. that GI Joe Renegades cartoon. Let's finally get stuck into a GI Joe Renegades cartoon. That I've been meaning to do for a long time now. But uh, 
once again, the writing on this show continues to impress me. It's snappy, mm. it's punchy. Um, I've got a lot of love for it, even though it doesn't always feel like the most authentic telling of G.I. Joe. Um, mm. We see more douchebaggery from Flint. He's really set up as the anti-hero quite strongly in this cartoon series. Um, I suppose he has a, a big character arc mm. as a result. But the broad strokes of the plot. So, as you know, in the Renegades, Scarlet and the Joes are on the run from law enforcement and from Cobra. She wants to out this massive multinational corporation, aka Cobra, as being baddies who have ties to weapons um, trade and biological beings like you know, the bio vipers, yeah, those blue things. Um, mm. Just bad, bad news all round. Mind control as well. You know, all these things she's trying to gather evidence on. Um, Cobra, however, for the holidays, have decided to exert pressure on the families of the renegades, uh, particularly Duke's family. He tears off to try and um, warn them, maybe protect them from Cobra's uh, interference while Scarlet and the rest of the Joes go to a Christmas party to try and mm. out the head of Cobra. The guy we know is Cobra Command, but he sort of has this corporate face. No one's ever seen him in the flesh, only in videos. Um, and there's a reason for that. He uses holography. I love, the, to... <laughs> yep. I love the plot device there, by the way. Like, the Cobra Christmas party. <laughs> like... I love it's that. And to keep up face with your shareholders. Yeah. It's just they nailed it. They got that whole corporate feel like they got it down. Like for Duke, anybody however, who works in corporate. His <laughs> so, yeah. his parents are abducted by Cobra. He manages to head them off at the pass. And um yeah, they manage to uh, go home to Duke's house for um a meal. Unfortunately, however, Duke's brother, Vincent. That should be ringing some bells. Heroin has, addict has tipped off the the cops or the military police, and Flint apprehends the renegades. At that point, they wind up on a armored train, and Baroness is sent in to not only kill the or, well, what is her task? She she needs to capture or kill the renegades themselves, but more importantly, yeah. she needs to secure the um, hard drive, the evidence, the hard drive that yeah. uh, Joe stole from the Christmas party. Uh, she succeeds in doing the latter, but of course the renegades get off scot-free after managing to escape a runaway armored train. Um, they drive off in the Coyote, which is their stolen Cobra vehicle with sort of hologra holographic technology. And Flint vows, uh, you may have helped us this time, but I'll get you next time, Duke. <laughs> that old trope. Um, Paul, what and stood out in this this whole shindig? Yes, Storm Shadow. Um, okay, so a few things. Uh, the first thing that jumped to mind was, I love how Duke's parents were like super supportive of uh, super supportive of Duke and what he's doing. Mm. Like they don't think that he's a bad guy. They, you know, and and, and you get that impression because his brother. Uh, uh, you get that impression. You get the impression that they would be disappointed in him. And they're not, which I think is pretty cool. Um, 
so I dig that. That was a nice surprise. It was a nice twist. And it shows you that Duke comes from like a strong household. I love the um, setting up as Flint. Uh, uh, I like that they have Flint and Duke have history together. So they're... They came from the small... Well, they came from perhaps adjacent towns. They both, play, yeah. both played for rival football teams. Which I think is so... I think it's such a cool thing, actually, because it kind of gives these two characters uh, pathos. And, you know, if the show ever went on, it would give them a stronger bond. Uh, because... You know, like it's Flynn's fault that Duke didn't become a um, football star, which I, I I like that. I like that how that how that all tied in. So that was cool. Um, well, Flint um, might have denied Duke a, a career as a, a football player by sort of injuring him in that last game, um, but he did drop Duke off at the recruitment office. He did. So Helped set him, him on that path of perhaps even greater heights um for duke at least uh yeah i mean you know now he has a life filled with danger and low pay <laughs> well you know it's interesting. as opposed uh, to danger and high pay <laughs> but where is he making a bigger difference i don't know it's, uh, it's no that is that, yeah that is debatable um but oh dude uh, that was cool um i also enjoyed the you know i'm gonna like hone in on the ninjas crazy like i can't believe like and and this episode kind of like just brought it as like a bit of a sober realization but snake eyes and storm shadow hadn't like like when they meet each other on the train you kind of because of our joe fandom we kind of programmed to be like okay uh storm shadow probably works for cobra now but it's not the case it still hasn't happened yet and this is kind of where that seems to that relationship possibly could start in this universe. So I thought that was interesting because I actually totally forgot that Storm Shadow didn't work for for Cobra. That Storm Shadow is just being an asshole. Um, <laughs> that was that was interesting. That was a nice take. Uh, what else, man? There was something else uh, that I liked in this episode quite a bit. Oh, um, and I hope that I'm quoting this episode. Um, I think it's in the second part of Homecoming because it's a two-parter. Um, there are two Cobra security team members and they're sort of stationed in the cold and they're complaining and they're like, why are you here? And he's like, um, I let gee, I, I let the wrong people into the corporate party or something like that. And then the other one refers to another episode where he also messed up and let the GI Joes go in or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And I thought that was such a cool bit of continuity. Like, you know, that they I referenced that. that. That that so, seems to me, man. So yeah, I, again, it could have been because I did watch the episode. I did. I, I feel like I watched an episode after this. Possibly, um, memory is not what it used to be. Sometimes with some things, but uh, yeah. But that was a cool callback. So you know, if it's not in this one, it's in the next episode. <laughs> I, but anyway, I had a few things that that really stood out to me. Like just, I had an absolute belly laugh when they're in the coyote at the top of the the two-parter, the first part. Mm -hmm. And um, but, uh, they're discussing what everyone's sort of family traditions are with Christmas. And Tunnel Rat's like, yeah, we don't do Christmas much because uh, of sort of mixed um, ethnicity. So I'm basically working in the, my family restaurant 24-7 because to try and cater for everyone else's Christmas. And then he asks... Snake Eyes, 
So what do you guys do for Christmas at the dojo? Take the star <laughs> off the tree and throw it? <laughs> or that you was just very cute, Take the star off the tree and... Very, very funny. Um, another sort of side-splitting, like a little bit racy, racy, um, well, it's an intentional double entendre. When they break mm. into, when they sneak into um, the Cobra Christmas party, uh mm. scarlet and, and tunnel rats or santa's elves and roadblock is ho 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 the jolly man in red himself and they're trying to blag their way in saying like i'm here for the christmas party and <laughs> the cobra god <laughs> is like you don't look like you come from the north pole yeah, yeah that was that was <laughs> ballsy Interesting. But, I, I, yeah. but i like that because i don't think that that I think that it's it was clever because it's skirting around the whole race topic and making people quite aware of the fact that you know some people are without realizing it you know a little racist you know so I kind of well, like the that, Cobra that it, guys are assholes and they deserve and it gets to have to, a, a beat down. I mean, he does yeah. get his comeuppance. Um, <laughs> Roadblock puts down the heavy sack that he was carrying and out pops <laughs> sort of a, a palm strike. Taking out the guy. Merry Christmas. I didn't think oh, that because it was just. Yeah. Are you are you imitating the music cues that happen every time? So All the time. <laughs> Once you have an awareness of it, you just can't stop. It's it's pervasive. Every single time Snake Eyes is on screen. <laughs> I never get tired of making light of that. I um, would like to point out how extremely proficient Baroness is. At all points yeah. of this. Um, and Cobra Command is an asshole. He's like, eh, you want something done right? I have to do it myself. He sits in his recliner and uses his drones to destroy an empty decoy. So he fails, but he blusters. He's like, ah, yes, that's how it's done, Baroness. Boom. He's blown up an entire, like, refinery. Collateral damage. But he's, you know, cocky enough to say that... that uh, that that's how it should be done. Meanwhile, it comes to light that the Joes have in fact survived and they're on this train. So he sends Baroness to clean it up and she does it magnificently. Mm. She flies in on a black dragon transport and then fights Snake Eyes on the roof of that transport to a standstill. Okay. Yeah. That no one gets gets one over the on each other. The jetpack is so cool. Oh, it's rad. But the uh, Snake Eyes manages take, to take that out with a kind of a boomerang thing. Yeah, he pulls all kinds of ninja weapons out of his ass. That's one of and them. And she pulls out this kind of like energy orb weapon that she oh, starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like red Hadoukens that she throws at Snake Eyes. Anyways, as I say, they fight to a standstill until Storm Shadow shows up mysteriously out of the blue. Um, he has a Storm tendency to just, just like appear on the train. Because he I and Snake Eyes then proceed to fight, and he gets mm. knocked off the train, and the next minute he's back in the train again. Hey, what's he hiding up his sleeve? This bugs me so much. Tell me about it. Like so much, and then and then just like not to add, to add insult to injury, they have like they have like this 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 bugs me. You know, like so you got like. Ninja, and then oh god, it kills me. I hate it. Uh, for I people listening, what, what, what did you just gesture? 
just the hair he's like bangs hanging out the side there like i don't know i i just i can't understand the design but behind his head here i don't know how this how did this get through the the art direction process like i'm surely people in the office turned around and i mean listen the late clement survey it was like an amazing character designer please don't misunderstand me but like did nobody just look at him and go like uh-uh you know but people just scared to tell him that this was a cuck design i would have told him straight i would have been like is this a ninja or a rabbi just fucking sort it out please like this is horrible mm. Anyway, sorry, I keep bitching about this because I fucking hate this design. And I think it puts a lot of people all Storm Shadow. And me being number one Storm Shadow fanboy with all the other number one Storm Shadow fanboys were offended by this. <laughs> yeah, I bet um, those parts that you could use to make the, what is it, the 30th anniversary or the, well, it's the Renegades Storm hmm. Shadow, you could adapt him into this look as opposed to his more standard. I've never popped it on the body. It's probably still in the bubble, isn't it? No, I take everything out of a bubble and I put it into a plastic container. But gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, getting back on the Baroness praise train, she then goes inside the train, handily defeats every single MP. I, I mean, I don't think she leaves a single man standing. She yeah. she cuts a swath through everyone, not using subterfuge or anything, using bombs and martial arts skills and distraction charges like. They're kind of like smoky flashbangs. Makes mm. her way to where the prisoners are being held. And uh, that's when Storm Shadow rejoins the fight somehow. Anyway, she uh, then hands... Well, okay, Storm Shadow takes out all the boys. So we don't have any... Um, uh, that horrible trope. Women or men fighting each other. And Baroness just kicks uh, Lady J and... Um, and Scarlet's ass gets mm. the hard drive and escapes. Bravo. And then somebody farts. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a quick rewind and a question. Mm. Do you think all those people at that corporate party, if they had actually seen the true Cobra Commander's face for longer than, what is it, like a second or something before the feed gets cut, do you think they really would have mind? minded like do you think they all would have been like oh no we work for this multi like uh, like this multinational organization and this is our boss oh no they just would have been like okay cool our boss is a weirdo <laughs> i think cobra commander is taking this a bit far like i understand within the realm of the cartoon but i just wanted to bring some real world logic in for just for two seconds i think most people would have just been like fuck it he pays our salaries we're assholes we work for an asshole cool <laughs> um Maybe they wouldn't have said it that way, but you know what I'm saying. Look, I mean, yeah. it's less about them and more about securing the hard drives so that the public at large don't see it. And mm. yeah, look, once the secret's out, the secret's out. I just, I think the whole holography thing is, it's cute, but he'd be better mm. off using like a, a double, you know, a paid actor using pre-recorded video, like any other CEO. Yeah, just use a <laughs> puppet. Uh, anyways, it would be less interesting that way. And, and Thank this you is for making Cobra Industries so awesome. <laughs> they do three Star Wars tropes in a row on this episode. Mm. I don't know if you noticed, but like when they are at the the Christmas party and they're broken into the um, the control center and they're trying to mess with the, the feed. So 
they get Cobra like radio in to the um, the control center and they, they're like, what's going on in there? And Roadblock gets on the mic and he says, he sort of blusters it. He's like, uh, we got satellite interference, uh, sunspots. And then Tunnel Rat destroys it. So that's, that's the Han Solo sort of bluster. The, and then yeah. the Han Solo destroy the, the control panel. And then the third and final... Um, Star Wars trope in a row is the door gets cut open and like stormtroopers, aka the sort of Cobra security, start pouring through shooting. So I'm like, mm, yeah, let's see what you did there. Mm, mm. Oh, I see, I see you show. also like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's something so weird. Like Flint's characterization is fine, I guess. I mean, he's unnecessarily asshole all the time. Mm. Um, but that's fine. He's the anti-hero or the, the antagonist. But he, he says something that is so weird in his mouth when they're interrogating the Joes inside the armored train. He's like, the only reason I can think of why you did something so stupid is if somebody paid you a lot of Benjamins to do it. Now, that is way too hip-hop for, for Flint to be saying. This straight-laced stickler for the rules is going to refer to money or a bribe as Benjamins. Come on. <laughs> Maybe he's just trying something. He's trying to be cool. He's trying to be hip with the lingo. They, they outlawed now, so he's like, "Oh, I've got to be all, like a little gangster to talk to them." Yeah, you know. I just listened to some Jay Z, so I'm gonna talk uh, street to you guys. <laughs> um, we have interesting flashbacks all around, like Flint. Sorry, well, Flint and Duke have their sort of um football playing history and the sort of recruitment office trip together but lady j also has she offers a sort of a character testimonial um and say that she believes that duke is right i mean she trusts duke because duke saved her life in the field that was cool yeah. that's the other thing i wanted to mention yeah mm, mm, very nice for some reason i thought it was in another episode no, it was this one. Also, and in, in that episode, we get name drops for Stalker, who was kind of calling yep. the shots on that operation, telling Duke to get out of there. Um, but Duke defied. In fact, we've got a, a visual on Stalker. He kind of wears a boonie hat. Cool. It looks, he looks very cool. cool. Yeah. Also, um, Duke playing the Snake Eyes role, if you think about it, in this yep. flashback. Yeah. Well, in a previous flashback, actually where he is disarming um, a mine and Scoop. Skoog. <laughs> it's Skoog. Was, is it Skoog? Trip, I heard Skoog. Tripwire. Okay. It's Tripwire. Yeah. Good. Okay. So we have we have a name drop or a cameo by Stalker, a cameo by, by Tripwire. Um, Tripwire mm. steps on a mine, ironically. And before Duke can disarm it, it goes off and Duke gets... Some injuries on his back. That's new <laughs> information. <laughs> yeah. Audio cue for Proto Snake Eyes here. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the merits of, of this episode. Paul, I mean, what did you think, buddy? If you were oh, to dude, rate this. I, I'm I'm gonna so, rate it I'm gonna rate it pretty high. Um hmm. because like this show keeps getting better and better. Um well uh, these last few episodes have been quite strong with the writing in some respects. Oh, God, there's that storm shadow again. Um, I thought I'd leave that on the screen just for you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. Um, no, so 
I enjoy this episode because it starts giving us that cool backstory stuff that I like that starts informing who these characters are. Um, you know, the cameos are cool. The action set pieces are good. Uh, we get some real movement in the story, which I feel has taken a while. It's it's taken a long time to get here. And so now it starts getting real momentum. So for me, yeah, it's going to be like, I would say a four, and a, a four and a half out of five for me for this one. Because hmm. I, I, yeah, because I, I, I also like, I like the ending as well of this uh, of this two-parter. Like I'm gonna spoil it here because guys, you know, you have to have watched it already. But just like I like the ending. I like the the middle point. I love that Falcon's an asshole. I actually do dig that. You know, Falcon's also got an arc that he has to go through. What happens in the ending, Paul? Come on, spoil it. It's like, God, why do I keep thinking? Oh, it's the wait hold on i hope i'm i hope i'm not getting this wrong now because the thing out the ending I'm, re I'm referring to is that when they have dinner and then it gets abruptly like it gets like cut in half basically because falcons are like there they are there well, that's the, the, like, yeah that's, that's the, the ending of the ending. first yeah that's the yes. ending of the first part. okay i like that because oh dude there's a moment in that that made me laugh out loud as well because you've got sort of all these military police flint's boys like bursting mm. through the door, surrounding the building, and then totally gratuitously, totally unnecessary, a guy smashes the window with the the, the, the tip of his gun and points it at the family. And I'm like, that window did what not have to be smashed, bro. The Joe's yeah. are surrounded. You, I mean, it's, it's like I've know, done something. Yeah. You, I'm you're doing almost something. shooting point blank range. You don't need to t take out the window to do it um or to have an accurate shot on on the joes anyways i just thought and he's, he's pointing his gun through that window like yeah and i mean the first animation frame he's smashing just through a window pane and then it cuts to a wide and the whole like frame of the window is like smashed outwards like uh or inwards yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. you're gonna do your job do it right you're gonna smash the window really smash that window necessary what did you think, dude? Like, like uh, point-wise for you, like, what would you give it? I I love seeing Baroness being utilized as like this like combat goddess. Um, mm. it's very almost anime. Terminator. Her level of proficiency. Yeah. Um, Sunbow, she did a lot of subterfuge stuff, a lot of kind of maskings. Um, but in terms of like just kicking serious ass, yeah, this this representation of baroness i suppose the plot needed it to be because cobra only sent one person and that's her like <laughs> she's not going to go with her legion she just goes alone with her tech amazing um so that was cool the flashbacks add a lot of interesting information um everyone seems to have backstories with everyone else it's remarkable mm. um and once again scripting on points there's some zingers that like i feel like all land whereas not everything with sunbow maybe it's an age thing or maybe the writing was more geared towards children but i feel like some of the humor in the cartoon that we're more accustomed to is a little bit fuddy-duddy whereas this stuff it's strong so i'm gonna also carry on with the positivity and give us a, a four out of five nice dude Boon killer goes in strong with nine out of ten Another that's ten. Like Four point five out of five. Nice. Nicely done, dude. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. me too. Like uh, I think it I think it's a very good two-parter. 
even though for the life of me right now, I just can't remember the actual ending. The actual ending is like, Storm Shadow just rocking up. I mean, he appears out of nowhere all the time, twice on the train, and now just in Cobra HQ. And he says, Cobra Command has resources I would like to utilize. So, Do they have dental and medical? <laughs> so that's good enough to, uh, to warrant a spot on the team. And yeah, so she takes him into the bowels of the Cobra HQ and introduces him to the family. Um, oh, yes, yeah, the, the whole mind bender thing. Yeah, and then he blows and something up. and Presumably yeah. Destro is back there somewhere, sulking. Sulking. I think it's such a waste that we didn't get a... Oh, it's a loss that we didn't get that Baroness as a figure. Mm. Um, I think it would have been cool. Would she be cooler than... OG Baroness, would she be cooler than the res Resolute Baroness with the sort of the grey trench coat? Um, Actually, no, she's not, she's a bit crazy. Like the I trench coat like didn't really, mm, and the trench coat doesn't sit nicely, I don't think. Yeah, looks, looks I don't, kind of I don't hate that toy. I don't mm -hmm. hate that toy, I just don't love that toy. Um, it's, it's more like how I feel about it. Um, I don't know, I, I just would have loved to have seen a Baroness in that art style as a figure because I feel we were robbed of a Baroness. We got the Scarlet, thank you, and we got Ripcord. Who gives a fuck? Sorry. Um, except for the Ripcord fans out there, yeah, cool power to you, but, like, we got Ripcord, and yay. <laughs> Could have had Baroness instead, I think. Could have been way more interesting. So. All right, Paulus, do you want to talk about an old comic book or a new comic book? I I kind of feel that you would be a bit more invested in the new comic book because you're a big fan of what it's a continuation of. Um, so I feel like I wouldn't be as interesting uh, speaking about that. But issue 10... <laughs> issue 10 is, is an interesting issue. It's a cool issue. It, comes, uh, it also reminds you why Larry Hammer is the writer of G.I. Joe. I mean, we've had some stuff from, from other guys. And then we get an issue from Larry Hama and we start getting in all that technical dialogue that, um, you know, the Joes have uh, infiltrated some kind of skyscraper somewhere. Um, and they immediately, like, they've completely, like, you know, sussed out the whole situation. They, like, know that, that there's fake cameras and everything planted around the roof. And it's really, really interesting. But it's actually a trap. And they get pulled into this trap. Uh, and, and it's actually, the, the trap is an opening to a vehicle that then transports them to Springfield. I'm just doing the quick, like, overview, and then we can go into all the nice details. Um, but then it, like, wizards them off to, to this uh, mysterious town, which we then find out is Springfield, after Scarlet does uh, a significant amount of shrooms and has a bad trip. <laughs> um, Can you bats. explain that this is why that is the title of this episode early yes all. that is exactly i saw that and i was like what a like great moment to put up as a thumbnail like yeah. you know we never see the joes like that so let's do it and and you know it i know we missed halloween here by like a week but at least you know it's a little bit halloweeny you know claw hands and, and bats bats and just that terror face on scarlet which you know you seldom see so um yeah, they so find she, out. You know, she they... shares Batman's phobia of bats because in her yes, sort of so maybe she'll become moment, she goes there. 
And she's oh, a wait, redhead. Maybe she's secretly Batgirl. Oh, yeah, Barbara. But no, they're actually gargoyles, Paul. Yeah, they're gargoyles. That's the whole <laughs> thing. You have to watch the episode to know that they're gargoyles. You have to read the comic book to know that oh. they're gargoyles. Anyway, uh, we find out that Snake Eyes is being interrogated by none other than Dr. Venom. And we are introduced <sighs> to the brainwave uh, scanner. You and I can go into this at nauseum because I think it's kind of an important thing about this issue. Um, and the Joes have another occupant. There's another occupant in the cell that the Joes are being held in. And it's a young boy whose name we don't know. And um, he's been planning an, his escape. And has just been waiting for some muscle. Muscle has finally arrived. This is, of course, after Zap um, decides he wants to stop being a tortoise. Um, and uh, part of the Void Comp test. For those of you Blade Runner fans, nice deep cut there for you. And then, yeah, and then hilarity ensues when the Joes uh, finally escape this place and they follow the, the young man uh, who then has great intel. And they go off on their mission to go and save Snake Eyes, who is being brutally interrogated uh, through the use of the, the brainwave scanner. And, yeah, and then we find out quite a lot about um, Springfield. And thankfully, the Joes managed to survive this ordeal. They managed to hijack the vehicle again, take it back to New York, and then crash the premiere of the Hulk movie. So they actually time traveled into the future. No, I'm kidding. The Lou Ferrigno Hulk films, I imagine. I and there we go. Wasn't it, wasn't it a convention? It was a See the Hulk grand opening at Bayonne Mall. So I imagine it's oh. a, a movie premiere, uh, uh, <gasps> a premiere for us plebs, you know. Like, Paul, you know, I was a day old when I realized that you're absolutely right. It's a, a Hulk movie. Huh. Yeah, nice, nice, nice on there, Marvel. Dicky. Dicky Well, yes, there's a lot of Marvel praise in that last page. Just how they <laughs> And it's quite accurate because Marvel didn't even give them royalties, they just gave them bus fare. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> um anyway. Fascinating issue, this, uh, because we start... Isn't it just? It is. There's so much interesting shit. And I, I just wanted like... to speak about my favorite thing. Sorry. Carry on. My favorite thing in this issue is that we get uh, the whole way that Cobra's organization works and all how it gets, how it grows is, is sort of given to us in this issue. And, you know, I haven't read this issue in a very, very, very long time. Like a very long time. So I don't know if this was just sitting in my memory somewhere, but I distinctly remember a podcast where we spoke about this. And I was like, Cobra Commander either does like a motivation seminar or gets people involved in a pyramid scheme or something like that. And that's how people get stuck into Cobra. And that is outlined in this issue. And I absolutely freaking love this issue for that because that is so clever. He doesn't sit there like with a drive and be sneaky. He gets, he co-ops people. It is so cool. This, that was the real, that for me is the real sugar of this whole thing. I mean, yes, the brainwave scanners introduced mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. And then there's a Billy cameo or Billy. I'm, I suppose we'll, I, I don't know how confirmed that is. Uh, I'll, uh, you're the guru here. So we'll refer to you, but I just love that. That's the side of Cobra we get. And that is clever and it's sinister and, it really tells us who our uh, enemy is. So that's cool. That's my favorite thing about this, this issue. Sorry, Steve. So, yeah. Well, yes. Okay. So, I mean, major, major, uh, I suppose, G.I. Joe, Joe 
G.I. Joe lore being dropped in this issue, Springfield and its descent into being a Cobra-controlled town, thanks to a pyramid scheme, the soap people, um, yep. the brainwave scanner, Doc, Dr. Venom and the brainwave scanner, huge mm -hmm. impact. And then the subtle third spot taken up by Billy, who, mm. I mean, Larry is quick to say that all of his writing is a constant retcon because all of these ideas are wet cement in his mind. Those are my words. But yeah, it's all always subject to change. So in this issue, Billy doesn't go with the Joes. He stays behind to fight in the anti-Cobra underground because his family is still in Springfield. How can that be when Billy's family is Cobra Commander? He's mm. Cobra Commander's son. Um, and his mother, I don't think, was ever depicted as being anti-Cobra. Mm. Um, so, I mean, by family, maybe he means an adopted family, the people he thought were his parents, or maybe their extended family, like cousins, uncles. Anyway, so basically he's got people in Springfield that he needs to stay with. Um, mm. But yeah, it, I, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I think this is the same Billy that tries to assassinate Cobra Commander at Lady uh, at uh, Baroness and, and uh, Major Blood's behest in yeah. the Springfield Rally. And it's the same Billy that then becomes Storm Shadow's apprentice and becomes... An on again, off again ally to the Joes, depending on what mm. continuity you're you're reading. So yeah, he is a, a major character that's also got his start in issue ten. But then there's some subtle other things that we get in issue ten as well. Snake Eyes's backstory. This mm -hmm. is the first reference to the the helicopter incident. Yes, guard him. I actually wanted to um, ask you about that. I didn't want to Google that. I was like, I'm going to ask Steve if this is the first time we get that story. This is, this is it. Yeah. Like, it's like all of Larry's ideas have been percolating over the year, and he's decided to dump them all into this issue. I mean, this might have been stuff that he would have used for Fury Force, the precursor of the mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, um, but it's terrific, and it kind of embeds it with uh, historical events, we get a lot of insight into to Snake Eyes. You know, we get to see him at <laughs> what, what Dr. Venom calls some sort of adolescent courtship ritual. I mean, Venom is so detached from humanity. He doesn't even He's know got what... He's such Asperger's, bro. Well, no offense know... to Asperger's. I'm just saying it's like he is obviously a little autistic because this is all very... Like, He's clearly never been to a senior prom. Fact. Yeah. But I love the fact that Mike Vosberg, the artist... He calls um, the gas station that Snake Eyes worked at Taxido. Taxido. And then the very next panel mm. is, golly, you look terrific in a tux. <laughs> there was some, yeah, this, the scripting and the, the art chores kind of line up at that point. I don't know if it was intentional that um, Taxido is one letter removed from Tuxedo, hence the joke. And then Larry kind well, of scripting later on decided to just kind of pick up that ball he could have just said <coughs> in a tuxedo but that maybe that would have well, been too heavily handed well actually I, I would i would say that you're right i would agree with you on that because a little bit if you fast forward a little bit to the arcade hmm. um the there's a game um on the i think it's on the left hand side bottom left there oh, we go cool. yeah it's called vader mm -hmm. and then later on i think it's 
the next page or the page after, he goes, uh, when, th when the kid in the gun turret is actually shooting at the Joes, he says something about he's going to uh, waste these Vaders. Or he's going to... Uh, yeah, there we go. I'll get him. And I have a champ around this arcade. arcade. So basically, Dr. Venom's uh, evil lab resides underneath a video arcade. Mm. And in the center of the video arcade is a sort of practical, like, moving turret game. Um, the, the turret actually fires real lasers. Like, everything in Springfield is, is weaponized. There's Got one more for me. Sorry, bro. Sorry, poison, I shake it. Oh. Poison gas mm. in the, um, the pizza parlors and radars in all sort of hollowed-out signs. Uh, Paul, you, you're right about the scripting. It's somewhere, but I... But uh, okay, so you do recall reading it, okay? So it's not just yeah. me like having some kind of like illusionary moment, okay? Then that's fine, that's fine. I don't want to, you know, it's a, not some kind of waking illusion, waking dream. <laughs> but there yeah, it's crazy. Oh, there we go. Another one, yes, eh? I can knock down Vaders. Difference. Yeah, I can yeah. knock them out fast as I can knock down Vaders. Now it's apostrophe Vaders, so it's invaders, but maybe, invaders, maybe, like space maybe, invaders. Yeah. Maybe Larry wanted to play it safe. I mean, it was the 80s, and these things were not policed as stringently, but like just to play it safe, they never say space invaders. I think he also, also just didn't want to be on the nose. It's kind of like, I'm, I, I'm not, as far as I can knock out the knockdown space invaders, that's kind of, it's a lot of syllables. Funky. It's a lot of the beta sounds. A cool lot of letters in, in the, 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 the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I do feel like that kind of continuity, those little things are there, that little bit of foreshadowing is there. There's another piece as well that they have. Um, actually, it's not, um, but I thought it would be, and I'm, I'm sure, I know it was mentioned here in the comments, the light bulb uh, poisoning or the light bulb sterilization <laughs> of the water to remove the medicinal effect. Well, that was lucky. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty lucky. I don't know. I um so Billy has I mean he's been inside the cell a lot longer than Scarlet and Zap and he has realized somehow it, it has dawned on him because of something he read that if you hold the cups of water up to the light it will neutralize the hallucinogens that they've been putting in the water I mean that's that's a plot contrivance I'll you know I'll allow it yeah it's, it's like yeah. There are a lot of plot contrivances in this. This, if released today, would be panned for all the conveniences that it has. Somehow, mm. it is far more acceptable in an old funny book than... I mean, I think of the scrutiny that I level at, like, modern IDW, or, well, yeah, the previous run of G.I. Joe, and I'm like, no, Stephen, stop it. I know that the audience is just us old folks. I mean, no one knew is, is no children are buying the IDW and Skybound GI Joe books. I, at least I don't think. Um, and this Marvel of the eighties is definitely being bought and read by children. I mean, you need only look at the letters page to realize how young the people reading this book were. Um, so maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe, mm. but why, why should the writer of GI Joe change his stripes and suddenly like, make it even more adult than it was in the 80s. Anyway, all I'm saying is true. This is deliciously like it's a it's a romp. 
it has very little kind of real world bearing and like realism uh, and yet it feels fun and and gives once again so much insight we see that snake eyes's family was killed in a flaming car wreck mm -hmm. we also realize that snake eyes has the ability to feign death because what gets him out of the brainwave scanner is dr venom thinks that that he is in fact dead so he unstraps him takes him down his vital signs have disappeared but that's because he has learned the way of the inner anvil okay. yeah it's very cool amazing wj uh commented on the arcade and asking is is polybius there nice deep cut bud um ah. i was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day i don't want to go into it too deep here but um I think Kujo would have also loved the mentioning of Polybius. Um, Steve, if you don't know, uh, I do suggest you Google it. I don't want to go and I don't want to go and waste too much of the episode talking about it. But yeah, guys, do yourselves a favor and and read up about Polybius, the mysterious arcade game. Um, mm. There's quite a lot of YouTube stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot written about it. Um, to be fair, so check it out. But yeah, it would have been a nice deep cut have they had they like sort of hidden that there. But I don't think they knew about it. I think Polybius is something that um, you know there was no internet back then, like or like how the internet was at least in the nineties. So at least nobody like nobody really got that kind of information. Guys, I'm sorry for the mansplain. Just in case somebody really young is watching this episode, they should know that the internet wasn't there. It takes old people like us to tell young people like them about this carrying on <laughs> sorry steve i think um, it was released a little bit too late for this comic book but what caught my eye was something called red baron now i had existed. a red baron yeah i had a red baron game on my my father's 486 <laughs> computer before then it was on the 4800 i think okay well yeah. i love that game i got a lot out of it it is a world war one aerial sim so Biplanes and triplanes, dogfighting over the skies of Western Europe. Um, very exciting and gave me a huge focus on that period of, of aviation. I used to get mm. books out by the droves to try and read up about those fabulous men and their flying machines. Mm. Well, Shah Aznable's character is based on the Red Baron from Gundam. Just fun fact. Yeah. And, and to a greater or lesser degree, I think Wild Weasel is as well. Some, mm -hmm. uh, in some respect. Um, so just coming back to this issue, there mm. are some great moments. I mean, yes, we are introduced to the brains, a brainwave scanner. It's a big plot device in G.I. Joe. Um, for better or worse, it, it's here now. Um, I know some people feel that this is a very overused piece of technology in G.I. Joe. I, I tend to agree with those people, especially in the modern stuff and in the later bits of the line. It's kind of got a little bit stupid but uh, i think we will be able to speak about that more clearly when we hit those uh, those points um i think probably because it's it's kind of a, a do anything device yes. it can remove your own will in the modern iterations it becomes more of a brainwashing device whereas here the brainwave scanner and it's ingeniously um explained by dr venom it basically shows images to the person strapped into it and records their brain uh, patterns so that it builds a vocabulary that when they 
then just monitor the brainwave patterns, they can put it together. Like, oh, he's thinking of an apple and he's thinking of a tank. And he's thinking, so you can read a person's mind because you've built up this association of image and what it does to the brain. Very clever. I'm down with that. That's an excellently kind of explained mechanism. Where things get dicey is where it's used to basically turn a human being into a computer. You can input memories, you can brainwash them to make them evil, you know, on command. Like the the repertoire of things that the brainwave scanner can do makes it essential to every single Cobra plot. And that's that's the slippery slope that we've gone all the way to the bottom of. I just want to just uh, throw some shade at Darren quickly. <laughs> Shut your dirty mouth, Darren. Ninjas are not overused. Yes, I know I'm using my immersive voice. Because <laughs> I, I can't drum up my Zartan voice. Right now, I can't get a Zartan voice right now on command. I'm so sorry. But I anyway. Need to put on some Zartan. reverb. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, we hear you, Darren, uh, ninjas were like also overused. I mean, everything in the in comic books was at some point. Steve, mm -hmm. to come back to your point about this comic book being kind of goofy and maybe sort of panned by today's audiences and, and you know, sort of all ripped apart by the fanboys. I kind of feel like that's what makes the most, the, the, the modern GI Joe stuff kind of suck a little bit for me anyway, is I feel like the goofiness in the modern stuff is wrong. Like the flavor of it is wrong. I don't have a problem with it being there. I just feel like the flavor of it is, of it is wrong and it, and it hurts. It spoils the, 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 the batch for me in a lot of ways because the story is almost too serious. And then they sh throw in the, the weird wobbliness that they have. And it just doesn't make sense. Whereas here it, it, it's, it makes sense. Like, like how the old, uh, Adam West Batman show makes sense. It's a lot of goofy stuff, but it works visually and it works from a like story point of view. And I'm not just defending Larry Hama here. I also want to refer to another very, very uh, amazing manga car um, and writer, and that's Katsuhiro Otomo, the guy who wrote uh, Akira, because I'm reading the Akira graphic novels, the manga at the moment. And it's a very story, a serious story to be sure. And I'm, I'm sure most of you guys know that if you've ever read or watched the Akira anime. Um, but it also has goofiness. It also has stuff that is slightly, you know, it's not super plausible, but it's kind of believable. And that's the magic that I kind of find is in this kind of this style of comic book um, storytelling. And it's something that we're missing a lot of uh, in current comic books. Maybe because us fanboys have just gotten a bit too anal in the wrong way. So, uh, hello, Dr. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Good day, Alan Grant. What has he got to say? Hey boys, Steve, where's that incredible goatee mo combo gone? <laughs> or is there some light tricky going on? Um, well, to anyone watching this and to anyone listening, um, yeah, I had a, an interesting kind of bit of facial hair going on last week. That is gone because, uh, yeah, I was in a production of Shakespeare's The Tempest. And I might have said it before on the show, but I'll say it again. When you're in the Shakespeare, you grow the beard. Um, you can always make some fun character choices just just beard acting so yeah i had a big curly mustache and a quite a long goatee fun there are pictures online <laughs> find them and um yes paul is showing off his velociraptor to Dr. i can't Gron. help 
I can't help but show off my dinosaurs when Alan Grant appears. I know he likes. <laughs> I know he gets excited about dinosaurs just as much as I do. Maybe more cool. so than I do. Having read this issue and having read the immediately preceding issue, issue nine, where Scarlet saves the day, yes, I couldn't help but notice that it ends in almost this, well. They they had the same device happen in both, and that's they hijack a plane. The pilot is a cobra, and they have a kerfuffle in the cabin. The the cobra gets taken out, and the control panel gets wasted. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting when you consider that they were not written by the same authors or writers. Mm. Larry wrote ten, and um, uh, Grant, um, Grant, Stephen Grant, Steve Grant mm. wrote nine, and I mean, I guess it was just in the waters at the time that that scene would play out. Maybe there was something on TV around that t time that uh, both authors watched. But uh, airplane. Just, I have a, a starred Surely. comment from way at the back of this, this podcast where Darren Cobb says, ah, a nice little town like ours where you see the peak of aerodynamic Cobra transport. No wonder Destro made a fortune selling them stuff later from Mars. Who's Everything's a flying brick. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. I think I need to call up an image of it right now as we give our scores. But, um, Paul, are you going to score this one pretty highly? What do you reckon? I am. There is so much juice in this. Um, I mean, okay, let's just, like, from beginning of the book to the end of the book, I mean, we've got, we've got um, the Joes just being badasses, uh, but in a cool way, you know, like, you know, describing how certain, uh, the, you know, the names of different kinds of explosives and that they've scanned areas and they're just being specialists and reminding us that they're specialists, which is amazing. What was this building got... supposedly defending itself from? Spider-Man? I mean, the the kind of detail that they go into how many how how a rooftop on a building has mines on it. I don't know if that's clever because those mines go off. Well, I suppose explosions explode up and outwards, but still, like you're you're putting active bombs in your own building. But the building yeah. was just a shell anyway. I mean, that's why this is such a hokey bit of like sci-fi romp. I mean, the building really was just an empty shell to hold this crazy flying ship. It was. Um, <laughs> How? And also, How it was really easy to, like, attack from the ground level. I mean, it turns out there weren't any trip lines on the stairwells. So that's uh, that's great news for everybody that went up for rock and roll and crew. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, th that whole thing notwithstanding, I mean, you had to get them to Springfield somehow, right? Mm -hmm. um so that that had its, its problems but i do love that you see that the joes are badasses and then we and then we introduce the springfield which is a character in gi joe more than uh, just as much as it's a geographic location it's a it's a character and then we introduce to the brainwave scanner which is crazy then it's this mysterious kid who you know I can imagine reading this comic at the time when there was only 10 comics for G.I. Joe and you were reading the 10th one. You were wondering, wow, there's an anti-Cobra movement. I wonder if G.I. Joe will work with them in future like episodes. Or I wonder, maybe this kid was just secretly a spy, maybe spying on the Joes. I can imagine the, the intrigue. There was a lot of intrigue and a lot of conversations around this comic book, especially around like older readers, you know? Um, so that was pretty cool. I love that. Uh, you've got... 
uh, you've got snake eyes as memories that then come from the brainwave scanner. So then giving us a bit of uh, history into who he is, what's happened to him, uh, how certain things have gone down. So that was pretty cool. Um, then apparently Paris, uh, Sue is a romantic. So that was a nice takeaway from the issue. Thank you for the, for the screen grab. Um, and then, yeah, then just, uh, later on, we are then introduced to, like I said, the whole, oh, then Snake Eyes has powers, man. Fuck, this is, this is a great issue. This is like a must have issue, which I'm sure is going up in price now as we're speaking on this uh, stream, <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast slash stream. But I think 10 is like kind of a milestone issue. There's a lot of big things that become permanent features in GI Joe. And I'm going to also, so I'm rolling high tonight. It's four out of five for this one. I think it's, mm. yeah. The I was always a bit down on, on 10. But really? I, after reading it most recently, I'm like, this is dropping a lot. I think I take it for granted all of the information that it unveils because this is stuff we return to time and time again. But in issue 10, it was all fresh. This is our first mm. blush with it, and it all happened in one issue. It's astounding. Um, do you notice that Grunt is wearing Flash's pads or Grand Slam's mm. pads? Which leads me to believe that at least perhaps there was the idea existing uh, in the artist Mr. Vosberg's mind that maybe those pads were just assault gear for anyone to kind of pick up and use like that's what gi joe body armor looks like at least mm. that's that's the kind of fan explanation or no prize that i'm going to offer to what is <laughs> widely regarded as an art flub or lettering flub. very much so you know, the cool was, panel though hey it is cool mm. yeah yeah this is script flub that's what i mean yeah, the, I, and I feel like there's some things about this issue that I want to touch on when we talk about the the next issue. Um, mm. Not the next issue of G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, but rather the next future episode, the one that we're going to talk about, uh, 280, 280, 280. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's going to be quite cool. But uh, there was one other thing. I, I found this to be a bit um, prescient. It's on the very last page, on the last or second mm. last page. When they crash into that Marvel um, Hulk premiere, I, I I know that this is probably like the editor at the time going, hey, listen, can we just get a little bit of spin? Can you guys write a bit of spin and draw a bit of spin into this um, issue? You know, have Garlic crashing on the Hulk. But I love the, the words here. It's like, what's going on here? Did Marsha Rosenberg book you for this opening too without telling me? Opening of what? And then it goes down and we see all these like supposedly nerds, which look like totally normal people. And then it's like, um, and then it and goes one on guy about smoking how, like, a pipe in the back. Like, is this, yeah, remember when you could guy. smoke in malls? Um, and then, but there is this like this like thing where they talk about, oh, wow, Marvel launches are always like big, they're always like amazing. And I, I thought that was like kind of an interesting line. Like, Marvel oh, they're always, pumping they're, up Marvel a lot in that. I don't know if Larry was, uh, looking to get promoted or a raise or something no it probably just does the editors probably just asked him to because it was probably part of a marketing drive um to coincide with the launch of the the film and cinema so they, they you probably find the spider-man uh, spider-man book at the same time as this was launched also it has like a hulk influence and i in fact it'd actually be interesting as the guys in the comments um if you know that please check it out if you know when the you know coinciding spider-man issue came out 
it would be cool to know. But I just, it's interesting because when you read this, I don't know what the temperature was like at the time with the fandom and stuff. But I know that whenever a Marvel movie was, a superhero movie was announced initially and when we were kids, it was like, oh boy, you know, we weren't excited. We weren't like, this is going to be great. We were like, it was always met with trepidation. So now we finally at a time, okay, we're there again now, but we were at a point where, oh, wow, oh my God, Avengers something of something's butt is coming out. Oh, I hope we find out who, you know, what, like, Iron Man's favorite condom brand is in this one. Whatever. Um, I'd like to make light of something that Debrea J points out. Does Sergeant Stalker watch Broadway plays? So Stalker initially was sort of this jive-talking guy, but Mm. we have seen his evolution in these first 10 issues to being like a commander of a small unit to um, now being an intellectual because, yes, he name-drops. He's like... Um, he talks about Les Mis, Les Miserables. Mm. Um, so clearly he's a cultured man. He likes to watch a good old show from time to time. Um, terrific. Yeah, um, he is the sort of the, the warrior poet. He's the the conscience of G.I. Joe, and we see him becoming that before our very eyes. Paul, you have a decision to make. You could either... Oh, and also Gaz says, like, why would you be blowing bubbles in a sewer? You do not want to be chewing gum. Like, yeah, anything mouth-related in a filthy sewer, don't be doing that, Breaker. Um, Anyway, uh, Paul, you have a choice to make, I'm afraid, because Uh my son, he is calling out my name, and Kim worked late, so I'm not going to bug her and make her wake up. You can either close out the show on your lonesome with the fine folks in the chat, talk about issue 280 or we can come back in two weeks time and do it together i don't mind either way don't don't let that uh, trip you up okay well honestly i would love to do it uh, I, because of this issue i would like oh. to do it with you on the next ah, ah, episode of the damn. show you're setting me up sorry bro wow, sorry sorry man and solo this podcast how exciting it's not that it's just that i i think um i don't think i can add what you can add to this. So and I think the viewer I think our viewers slash listeners would be robbed if we didn't. And I think um, perhaps next time we should do this, but also read issue thirty-four of the Marvel run. Yes. So your homework so we can link them, dear listener, is watch the cartoon episode Haul Down the Heavens, read issue two hundred and eighty of the IW series, and read issue thirty-four. Of the Marvel series, all will be revealed in due course. <laughs> Ooh, I love this. I just got to jump this in here. Handsome Head Injury asks, "Hey, have you guys heard Word Burglar's GI Joe theme songs?" Yes, we have. We have actually had the pleasure of having Word Burglar on the show, actually, and we've met him in person. Really, really awesome guy. But yes, we totally heard uh, Rap Viper. It's it's very cool, and what's even cooler than that? Have you heard his new song, which I absolutely love it is it is golden um guys if you haven't had a chance to check it out please check out uh, the new word burglar single um it's a word burglar single it's really really good um wow seeing myself big on the screen right now talking to you guys is awkward so i'm just gonna make sure i'm looking at the chats now i don't have a steven to look at when i'm talking um 
so yeah it's uh please go and check that out uh word burglar is awesome and he's a true fan he's uh he's somebody that's really into this stuff so at least you know he's um music and all that is is legit it's not something he's doing because he thinks it's cool it's something he's doing because you know he's that's who he is so it's awesome uh hold down the heavens with baroness disguised as a scientist that hates joe's absolutely yes bob squad uh this is you may have seen me sort of visibly wince or cringe when Stephen mentioned the hold down the heavens i might have even smiled ironically i have this is an episode i would i'm i'm, I'm excited to watch it again now maybe my opinion on it has changed maybe my newfound old age has brought down something new to it or will make me enjoy it a bit more. I don't know, but I, it's up there with the vegetable episode as being something that's unfun for me, but this time it's unfun for me for different reasons, but we're going to find out why in the next episode. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and just for being absolute troopers. It's been really awesome. We missed you guys. Um, uh don't tell steve this but last weekend i honestly thought we had an episode and that almost came on <laughs> so, um even though i was a little bit sniffly and stuff so whoopsie but that was just because i was really excited to chat to you guys and then also a big shout out to everybody that's just been like um you know checking out the youtube shorts and who you know for all of you guys that come in and join the comments and all that good stuff it's been really amazing um i'm very excited it's Elliot. It's okay. it's Elliot. He's got his hey, dummy Elliot. in. Hey, buddy. Paul, yes. have you seen 1980 Force from? Yes, it's Boy so Program. good. Yeah, I was just it. telling the guys like you have to check it out. Like, okay. what, what is it? Um, Neil, Neil down or something like that. Neil, oh, so yeah. good. He he so has cool characters. Deep cuts. He's taken a whole bunch of. Joe's customized them with terrific new code names um, and sort of intercuts them in his video. But yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't, don't even just listen to the audio, go on YouTube, check out the video. Yeah. Word Bergie is, he's the greatest. He's too cool. He's too, yeah. too cool. And guys, um, also thank you um, for those of you that have been picking up some of our GI Joe Berg merch. Uh, you can actually get that on our, uh, teespring store so the link is in the description below as it is with every single video um uh, somebody just recently bought a piece of merch i don't want to like call out their name now make them feel awkward but thank you so much for the support and the shirt looks amazing he got a, an iron grenadiers in gray and also i know it's getting cold in the states so there are hoodies as well so guys thank you very much for those of you who've been supporting the merch and also just a huge shout out and thank you to our loyal and awesome Bergforce members who have been supporting the Patreon. Uh, thank you very much, guys. You have definitely kept the help. You help the show, you know, work and you help us, um, you know, pay for things like, you know, StreamYard and subscriptions for like software that I sometimes have to use for things to upload stuff and some toys, or at least you help with the shipment of those toys to get them here so that we can review or talk about them or have some real experiences like the higher toy snake guys. So guys, thank you very, very much for your contributions. They really do help a lot and uh, we really appreciate it. And you can jump into the Patreon for as little as $3 a month um, as anything you want, but the general rate is about $3. So yeah, thank you very, very much. And yeah, with that, Steve, if you're still in the AO, uh, 
let's wrap up the show and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Paul, did you show the second page of the patrons? I did. I showed them both. Ah, okay. I didn't see this one. Just in case you wanted to see your name uh, up in lights, as it were. Yes. There it is. And there's Paul's face on (laughs) He-Man. 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 Funny. All right. Yeah, well, nice I one, Andrew. Add all you new to that. Stuff. So I'm just going to say um, cheers and thanks for joining us, folks, in the live chat. Always fun to get them some back and forth going there. Yo, Joe. It's, it's goodbye time. <laughs> so uh, you like that you figure, Paul? Your classified low light? I, I have things to say. Oh, um, dear. Next time, I I I like him, but I'll save it for the, I'll save it for another thing, another one, or another thing. You but like him? Don't leave him hanging like that, Paul. You like him, but I like him, but I still think the modern era is a better toy, even with the poofy secondary jacket. The poofy, yeah, still think the modern era is like better, um, mm. because the modern era doesn't have a seam line that goes through a belt buckle. I don't know why yep. Hasbro can't get it into their heads to make it uh, like bazooka. Mm, okay, yeah. I don't know why they can't do that. It's really ugly. It hates. I, it, the air like, joint is an, an eyesore. You're right. It is. Although, I think this is a cool gun, but it ain't no Uzi dudes. I love his original gun more than this. Like, it's a blaster. Like a <sighs> yeah, it's, it's cool, but it's not. Uh, the vintage uh, era version cool but anyway i got a lot to say i just have to find a nice way of saying it because there are reviews but i kind of want to do these like chat these q a sessions maybe i should try and do them like i don't know i'm i I tried live reviews it didn't work so let me try something else let me just have a rant about them maybe i should make them short anyway guys we will we will see you all Mm. in the next episode and or before that so until then Stay awesome, be cool to each other, stay excellent, and yo, Joe Burr.